Well, welcome back, exchange family. A lot of a lot of stuff. So the holidays, I don't know about you, but for me, flew by. Super fast. <laughs> I feel like the older that we get, the faster and faster it goes by. I, I know Hal and I, we were definitely looking forward to some time of rest and a time off, and it just didn't happen. So I don't really know what we were thinking. They say it's like the most wonderful time of the year. It's also the busiest time of the year. And I'm pretty certain that I'm still actually finding Halloween candy in my drawers. And now I'm told it's socially appropriate that I have to put my tree away. Is there anybody here who maybe yourself, it's okay, this is a safe place, or a family member or a friend still has their tree up? Yes, my people. Or maybe you have like a neighbor that keeps their lights up all year long. Does anybody have a neighbor like that? That's awesome. I actually met somebody a couple of years ago who they had, I think they were onto something, what was called a holiday tree, where they just kind of just kept it up all year long. <laughs> and then every single holiday that came up, they just decorated it in a different way. So if it was someone's birthday, it was the birthday tree. If it was Valentine's Day, it was the love tree. So I totally think that they're onto something. I think maybe we could all get together and go on Shark Tank or something, but I'm totally into that. Happy New Year's. We're here, 2020. Wow, everyone says we're living in the future because <laughs> I used to hear 2020 a long time ago and think that's so long from now. But how many of you would say that New Year's is actually your favorite time of year? Love it. I mean, of course, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, the holidays, they're great, right? Because it's the season to hang out with family, maybe, <laughs> some of us. But you just love this time of year because there's something so fresh about it, right? There's kind of like a lot of hope and you're so optimistic and you guys are probably like my, what they would call hashtag goals people, right? And you probably are the people that maybe you have like a big, huge whiteboard, in your office that you just got, or maybe it's in your room because you're super serious, or maybe you're the type of people that you ask for like a new fresh pair of all whites for Christmas, anyone? My husband did. Well, he didn't, but I bought them anyways. <laughs> or girls, you guys are the ones who go to Target mm -hmm, and you stand in the planner aisle and you make a pros and cons list of every single brand that there is. And then you're like a kid in the candy store when you see the huge wall of multicolored pens and markers, right? You're just like, ah, so great, oh my gosh. Not, yeah, okay, so not me, just no, not me. But I'm with you, I love to dream. I love to have conversations. If you talk to anybody I know, because I don't really do small talk well for very long, they'll tell you that I love to kind of just have conversations about how do we challenge each other? How can I challenge you? How can you challenge me? And how can we just kind of level up and become better in, in any given area? But there's a big difference between dreaming and actually planning to win, right? So I bought this. I'm going to admit to you guys because this is a safe place in the circle of trust. I bought this expensive planner in 2017. And because it was expensive, it was definitely supposed to help me meet all of my goals, right? Because if you pay money, then surely it's supposed to give you a great return. But it's never actually been written in. <laughs> 2017, spent good money. It actually works out okay for me because it's not date specific and I can still use it. But seriously, y'all, 2017. So planning to win, didn't happen, had the best intentions, going to be a new year, new me, right? 
but I have actually yet to write in it. And I think it's one thing to never actually start something, but I don't think that's where most of us struggle. I don't think it's in not starting. I think it's in not finishing, right? So according, I got a couple stats here for my stat people. According to Inc., Pew Research, and Forbes, this year, 87% of millennials and Gen Zers will set goals for 2020. Then Gen Xers, so the generation just older, only 69%. And then the boomers, the year after that, or generation after that, only 47%. In parallel to that is actually that the percentages go down as you get older with each generation for how many people think they will actually achieve their own set goals. So I think we're on to something, right? The number one reason given, though, across all generation for why one's own set goals were not able to be achieved is due to self-control, willpower above, like, just forgetting altogether or distractions. And two-thirds of the goals that we actually set this year are identical to the goals that we set last year. Two-thirds of people will set identical goals to the ones the year before, and 80% of people will fail by mid-February. Mid-February, and only 8% of people who set New Year's resolutions will actually achieve their goals by the end of 2020. 8%. So I have a photo here. I was expecting a big screen right here, but it's not. I just kind of like the top 10 most popular New Year's resolutions. You see exercise more, save money, eat more healthily, lose weight, reduce stress, get more sleep, stick to a budget, focus on my spiritual growth, travel more. It was time for that. Learn a new skill. So these are the top 10, and I know a lot of you guys are looking and you're thinking like, yes, yes, check, check, not really that one, but yeah, check on that one. So you're seeing yourself in a lot of those, but I think if we're going to get real for a minute and be a little bit more specific about what's under that and be honest for a minute, I think that some people might say that it's your goal this year to actually start taking responsibility for your anger. Or maybe you've set out and said, this is going to be the year that I get sober. Or this is going to be the year that I cut off ties with that ex. Or maybe I'm just going to actually start setting boundaries with that toxic relationship in my life that I know I have no business being around that person. But the power that I've let them have over me, it's unnecessary and it's not God's best for my life. Or maybe this is going to be the year that you said that I am actually going to be serious about pursuing wholeness and healing and freedom, and I am going to look for honest connection and vulnerability in a community. And I hope that's why some of you guys are here tonight. I know it is why some of you guys are here tonight, another night here. So what I was going to say is I know a lot of you, I'm probably losing you, and you're like, oh, no. Not another New Year's, New Year's message, right? Like love, light, and peace, instant inspo, all that. But I also know that some of you are deeply starting to lean in because you know, you know what? I need this. Because I know that my thoughts matter. I believe for all of this that this message tonight holds the keys from where we are now to where we truly want to be from living a life of the status quo, or maybe it's a life of defeat, or maybe just a life of mediocrity. God wants you to live a life of peace and power and purpose. So what I'm wanting to challenge you in today 
is that you can set all the goals that you want. You can design your best life now. You can go out, eat all the kale, drink all the kombucha that you want, and you're still going to be sitting here in the same seat next year with the same goals that you set this year, which consequently are the same goals that you actually sat last year. I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. I can't stop. I can't stop going back to him. Or I can't stop reaching out to her when it's late. I'm always going to struggle with my weight. I'm always so tired. I'm always going to live paycheck to paycheck. I'm always going to feel alone. Hear me. Your life is never going to change. You are not going to have the victory until your habits change. And I know some of you are thinking right now, yeah, Chrissy, I know that. But I'm going to make three statements today, and I'm going to end with three questions. And here's the first statement. One, your habits will not begin to change until your thinking changes. Your habits will not begin to change until your thinking changes. So I'm not saying that goals are useless or unnecessary, but I am proposing that maybe this be the year that together as a family, as the exchange family, as a community here at Grace and a community within here of Tampa, that we start to choose to focus on most what it is that we are thinking about most. Because most of you would probably agree with me that your job, your family, or whatever season God may currently have you in right now, that it can be quite challenging at times, right? I mean, everyone is struggling with something somewhere. And so in a moment of just being transparent, because again, circle of trust, we're family. Over the past years, 15 years, um, doing what I do and co-pastoring and co-laboring alongside Hal together in ministry and sometimes on my own. And I'm not saying any of this for for sympathy or, you know, I'm not complaining, but just in a moment of being real, it can be extremely heavy and draining physically, mentally, emotionally, definitely spiritually. And I can tell you that the last couple months of 2019 were actually pretty brutal for us. There are a lot of circumstances that were out of our control, and a lot of people that we love dearly were going through a lot of circumstances out of their control. And to be honest, a lot of them were just completely unjust. Plans and dreams that we had made, people were making decisions on our behalf that were changing the time plan, right? The plan that we had set out to achieve those, achieve those dreams and plans, people were making plans to where that wasn't going to happen. So just a lot of stuff that was overwhelming and out of our control. But last month, I had a, month, a moment of clarity. A bunch, so much doubt and disappointment. Carrying the weight with really just a lot of anxiety. I just thought, man, what in the world is wrong with me. I was just in this funk and I couldn't shake it and I felt like it was a hole that was just getting deeper every day and I just felt I cannot go on another day like this, thinking like this. God, I need you to change something in me. And what I needed him to change was my thinking. So who wants to have a better year than last year? Pretty much most people will say yes. And if you had a great year this past year, I'm not shaming you. It might be because you got booed up and then we have a relationship series for you coming up to make sure that you date the right way. 
So be here next week. But what can be different about next year, I mean this year, what we actually have control over is not what happens to us, but we do have control over how we think about what we are experiencing. Our thoughts and our posture matter more than we could ever imagine. In statement number two, your life moves in the direction of your thoughts. Your life is going to move in the direction of your thoughts. So if you have thoughts of faith, faith in God and who he is and who he's created you to be, then more than likely you are probably becoming more and more like Christ every day. But if your thoughts are negative or toxic, you are not going to walk in victory and you are going to struggle in your actions because your thoughts are far from truth. Romans 8, 5 through 7, I love the amplified version because I feel like if I was a person in a translation, I would be the amplified version because I'm always like, ah. So for those of you who are living according to the flesh, you set your mind on things of the flesh. But those who are living according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit, his will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death both now and forever because it pursues sin, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. The mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law because it can't. Because it cannot. So thoughts focused on self and only what I am able to do or not do, or only on who I want to be or not be, they are always going to lead to failure and death. But thoughts focused on Christ and his spirit that equips and empowers and enables me will lead to life and habits that stick. Because ultimately, what we do is an extension of who we are, and who we are is truly what we believe to be true. So number three, without being intentional about our thoughts, it is impossible to live a life of peace and purpose and power. Our inner dialogue matters. Sometimes my inner dialogue is pleasing. But if I'll be honest, for the most part, I feel like a lot of times it is quite um, overwhelming, <laughs> destructive. Is your inner dialogue dominated by negative and critical thinking or are your thoughts controlled and faith-filled and God-centered? When you wake up in the morning, are your first thoughts, gee, I'm so grateful to be alive. Rise and shine and give God the glory. Or <laughs> do you wake up in the morning, your brain kind of rattled by the alarm. Snooze. <laughs> Five minutes later, snooze, and then you drag yourself out of bed. Ah, oh, got to get up. Where's the coffee? Who are, where are these animals come from anyways? I'm just so tired. I need an extra day in the weekend. And now I got to get it ready for my stupid job with these stupid people. But not before I scroll social media with all the stupid and annoying people, but I just can't help myself. 
And then I got to see my incompetent boss. I even have a mug, and the first thing says, I can't even. <laughs> my incompetent boss. And then half day, what do you got to do? 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Where's my energy drink? So I can make it through the second half of my miserable life. And then go home to my stupid, lonely home where no one really, truly cares about me. So I may be over-exaggerating a little bit <laughs> on both sides, right? But if you were to be honest for a minute and truly think about it, what process do you feel like truly mirrors your thought process more? The first or the second? Because your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And now I'm going to ask you three questions. Here's the first one. So what are you going to do about it? Are you excited about the direction that your negative thoughts are taking you or that your thoughts in general are taking you? Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? So something in me clicked a few weeks ago. And I woke up thinking, you know what? No. No, I do not like the direction that my thoughts are taking me. I feel like my inner dialogue is literally suffocating me. Everything is so overwhelming, but I realized that I needed God to change my thinking. I knew in that moment that I had to make a conscious decision because life was not going to get any easier. And matter of fact, coming into 2020, I knew that the year would bring more problems, more pressures, and so something was going to have to change down on the inside of me. From that moment forward, I had to change how I was thinking about what I was thinking about. And I love this verse in Romans 12 too. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you just fit in without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God will bring out the best in you and he will develop in you a well-formed maturity. So what I love about this is that this is not about me changing me, but this is about God changing me. Right? So much of what culture in the world has to offer right now, if you scroll on social media, it's everything that I can do. But this is about what God is going to do in me. Me becoming more cognizant of the negativity and the lies, but God radically realigning and transforming my mind. Not me changing me into a better me, but God totally transforming me into a completely new creation and new person. So much of life is not about what happens to you, but how you think about what happens to you. And the same thing goes for stress. You are not stressed out because of everything going on around you and everything that you have to do. You are stressed out because of how you are thinking about everything you have to do and everything going on around you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, our boy Paul, he's on a roll here. He says, for although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage military campaign, employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. What? I love the way that Paul unpacks this powerful thought because Paul's never playing, one. 
But the language that he uses in here, it's important to pay attention because he's begging us to realize what is truly going on. That this is a fight and there is literally a war being waged on your mind every day. Instead, we use spiritual weapons. And if you're taking notes and you want to go study this later, you can learn more about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. But we are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which we hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose or you're intentional about complete obedience with your thought life. And I love here in this translation, it says to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We're really good with rationalizing in our heads sometimes. We capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So in translations, if you read through that verse and other translations, if you like to do that later, um, the words fortress and strongholds are actually used interchangeably here. And it actually comes from the Greek root word, akuroma, which means prison or a false argument. A stronghold being a prison or a false argument. A literal translation is imprisoned by way of deception. Allergies. So who in here has siblings? Who in here has a horrible older sibling who tormented you? If you're not raising your hands because you were the, the horrible older sibling. So me and my siblings growing up, we had a really cool space, okay? We had like our own little fort sacred space in our house. It was in the pantry and it ran like the entire length underneath the stairs. And we would go under there sometimes if it was raining and tell ghost stories because of course that's what older siblings have to do is terrify them. And sometimes we would play games and it was just cool. It was our own little space. So one day I was babysitting. Ah, all the power <laughs> went to my head. And I was watching a movie, and of course the little ones, they're quite a few years behind me. They were super amped up, and they are distracting me from my movie, and I wanted to watch my movie in peace, so I had this great idea. I got the flashlights, handed them out, and I said, guys, let's go to the pantry. So everyone's like, ah! right? And they like run to the pantry and I'm watching all of them just like file one after the other. I'm the oldest of four. And then everyone's in and I'm staying back, you know, a little bit on purpose. And as soon as the last one goes in, I like slam the door really quick and I lock it. <laughs> and I do what any good older sibling would do. I just hung out for a little while while my little sister was like, no! knocking on the door and banging on it and saying, let me out. I don't want to be on here, in here anymore. And so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so I listen until it stops. <laughs> a couple minutes, guys, calm down. And then I unlock it real quick and I like run back to the couch and I sit on the couch because they're going to get out. And I'm be like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Like nothing happened. So I'm sitting for a while and my movie's over. So I have now enjoyed the rest of my movie in silence and had free reign of the house, okay? It's been fantastic. I think I heard a couple of whimpering or whinings or like someone hit the wall or something like that. But 
they were obviously having a good time and they were playing because no one was coming out. And so my mom came home about an hour after that. And I think my siblings heard my mom's voice and they're like, where's, where's the kids? And I'm like, oh, they're playing underneath the stairs. They've been in there for a long time. I guess they're having a good time. I've just been out here and it's been great. Best babysitting experience I've ever had. And she's like, so they hear her voice and what do siblings do? Mom, sis locked us in the pantry. And she just gives me the mom look. And you guys know the mom look. <laughs> right? Stomps over and opens up the door quickly. And she comes out. And my sisters are falling out. And my, I'm pretty sure, well, one, Honey Nut Cheerios everywhere. Goldfish everywhere. And I am pretty positive that there was, like, gummy bears or fruit snacks in one of my sister's hair. And my brother at some point had fallen asleep along the way. But they came out. And they were so, like, terrified and mom's like, what, why didn't you guys come out? And they said, well, the door was locked. And I'm like, no, it was never locked. Like, you guys have been in there for hours, and the door has never been locked. But I think for some of you in here, that Satan has had you locked by a spirit of deception. That you have become imprisoned by the continuous negative rehearsing of your thoughts day after day, furthermore convincing you to believe that I will never be or I will never do or surely I will never have the power over. So why try? Why keep going? But the Bible tells us here in 2 Corinthians 10, it says that we are to take every negative thought captive. So when a negative thought comes to mind, we are to capture it, recognize it for what it is, a lie, and we are to punish it, the word says, which means to teach it, to be obedient to the truth of who God says he is and who he says that you are and who he's created you to be. So you take that negative thought and you say, sit down, critical thought. Shut up fear and lies and doubt and insecurity. I've had enough. And I'm going to teach you what the word of God has to say about it. So the second question is, so what? What negative thoughts are currently dominating your thinking? And I want you to really think about it. I want you to think about two or three negative thoughts that you keep rehearsing over and over in your mind on a daily basis. Maybe for some of you right now, it's multiple times a day. And I just want to share a few examples that were shared by some of your peers in this room. I am not gifted enough or as gifted as that person. I will never find my purpose. I will be nothing more than my mistakes and the labels that I carry. My life is not up to par or on pace with where I thought it would be or thought it should be. I feel defeated trying to meet the expectations of everyone around me. I believe I will always feel like an outsider, like I will never belong because if people really knew my sin struggle, I wouldn't be accepted. So today, we're going to call it out. We're going to call those things out for what they are, lies. What are the two to three most frequent lies that you keep thinking about and rehearsing over and over again because your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts? So today, we're calling it out. 
third question, what spiritual truths then can you search out to demolish the stronghold in your life? What spiritual truths can you search out that will demolish that stronghold? Consistently training your mind will be the most important thing that you could ever do this year because your habits come out of your thoughts and what you believe to be true. And this is one reason why, especially if you're new to this whole church thing and you're just trying to figure it out, this is one reason why being in an honest and authentic community of believers is so important because a lot of times we just get stuck with that tape in our head, right, over and over and over and over again. And the lines start to get fuzzy and it gets blurred between black and white and what is gray. And we need someone to point it out and say, no, sister, no, brother, what you are believing is wrong. That is a lie. And let me tell you the truth of what God says about that. We need each other. We are better together. And next week, we'll be starting groups in the relationship series. And what a great series to be able to hear from one another on, to be able to set apart what is true and what is lie in the culture that we live in today. So when it comes to learning Spanish, and high school wasn't really good about this, didn't make that great a grade, just probably just because I didn't care. But when I got to college, I actually really grew to love studying Spanish. And it almost was like something clicked in my head. Like I finally figured out that there was kind of like a formula when it comes to translating, no matter what language that it is. So when I had that thing click in my mind where I could take what I was thinking in English and remember the Spanish translation, and then be able to speak it out in Spanish or write it out in Spanish, I believe it's the same way when it comes to our thoughts. Because Paul said in that verse that we have to recognize when we're having stinking thinking, but that we can capture it, that we can recognize it for what it is, a lie, and then we can teach it truth. We capture it, we recognize the lie, and we teach it truth. Then one day there will be this click where we no longer have to pause and decide what is truth and what is a lie because the truth of the word of God, what he says about you and who he's created you to be, it's going to be so embedded on your heart and who you are that your mind will become transformed and you'll have a lie come up and then you'll be like, boom, this is what God says. Boom, this is what God says. No, you can't have me today. No, I'm not going back there today. This is what God says about who I am and I don't have to listen to it anymore. So two of my struggles, again, just trying to be real with you guys. I wrote them down so you guys could see how I take those negative thoughts and fight them with the truth of what the word of God says. When I become overwhelmed, to be honest, yes, even being a leader here in this ministry, I struggle to put God first. I start to go for what is urgent rather than important. I start to go after or start to be more reactive than proactive or I start to tackle things based on what needs my attention versus my intention. My thoughts become, I don't feel like I'm doing anything well. And I don't feel like I can ever get ahead. Or I often feel like I'm too much for some people or not enough. I feel like I'm not meeting anybody's expectations of me a lot of times, and I can doubt my capabilities, my effectiveness, and my relevance. My thoughts become the things I care about no one else cares about. I'm too passionate. 
too intense or I will always feel like I don't fit in. Just sit down and keep quiet and don't ruffle any feathers. Or I'm not a good enough wife or a good enough mom. And if I'm not a good enough mom, then what are you doing parenting other people's kids? So today I encourage you. I challenge you that today, this Tuesday, January 14th, even though we're halfway through the month, it's as good as time in any to start thinking about what those reoccurring negative thoughts are. Find truth. Demolish the stronghold. So my truth in response to these lies is Jesus is first in my life. My sole existence is to love and to glorify him. I know him and I know his voice and I know that he orders my every step. He is my strength when I am weak. I can do all things through him and I can do no thing apart from him. In him is perfect peace, not by my might, but by his spirit he equips and empowers and enables me and he takes my little and he multiplies it for his purpose for eternity. I love my husband, and I am so grateful for his leadership in my life, and we are so blessed to be able to pursue God together in ministry. We truly are better together. And I love my son, and I am exactly who God created to be his mama. When he was a dream, in my eyes, in my heart, God has wired me with a purpose, on purpose, and he has created me to exist in this generation for such a time as this. So to hell with those negative thoughts. And you get up in the morning and you say it and you proclaim it over and over and over and over again and again and again and again, day after day after day after day until you believe it. Until it just flies off every time you're presented with something else. When the enemy comes and tries to take you out or get you to sit down, you say, no, this is what God says. And you will begin to live a life of peace and purpose and power. Your habits will start to change because your thinking has changed. And then all of a sudden, your light of your life will shine so brightly to everyone in your family and every one of your friends and your workplace, what school you go to, and in our community here at Tampa Bay. Because we will live different because we know who we are. Your thoughts matter. God, I just thank you so much for this message. And even though it's something that seems so simple, it is so hard. May we remember every single day when we wake up that someone has our number. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I'm going to wake up and I'm going to proclaim truth over my life. And I pray for everybody here, God, that you would search their heart. God, you know the darts that the enemy tries to throw, and I pray that you would just point out those negative thoughts and make them clear and plain as day. I pray that they would search out truth to demolish those strongholds, and I pray that they would get connected to a community that can tell them what is right and what is wrong, what is of death and what is of life. Thank you so much for your son, and that we don't have to do this life alone, that your spirit equips and empowers and enables us, and you have called us to a life of more, and we are able to have the victory over those things that told us to shut up and sit down. In Jesus' name, amen.